Good morning and welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church. Who's excited to be here this morning? You're, you're only saying that because you're all hyped up with the sugar from the donuts from out in the plaza. Uh, if you have any extra seats next to you, if you can move over, that would help our ushers as they're getting people uh, still coming in and trickling in. That would be, uh, be great. Uh, my name is Matt Mizell. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. If you haven't been here in a long time, welcome home. We are grateful that you are here as we kick off this new series called Reset. This last week, millions of families have reset their schedules and their routines as people are heading back to school. In fact, one of my friends in Albuquerque posted on social media this picture with her kids watching her as she's in the pool. She, she's got a reset with her little mimosa and her little floaty or whatever. Look at the anger on this kid's face. It's so funny. It's hilarious. Jessica, thank you for sharing that photo with us this morning. Perhaps you heard about another reset that took place this last week as well. It was all over MSNBC. Um, there, there's a, a Chase Bank. Chase Bank came out and, and announced that they were deleting uh, credit card debt for many of their customers. And, and this dude is one of those customers. He's like, ah, check out the letter I got from Chase Bank. And so uh, I don't know if you've heard about this. I don't know if you've read this. I, I have never heard about this before. A credit card company resetting debt? Who does that? Credit card companies don't do that. I've heard about surprise fees. I've heard about surprise penalties. But I've never heard about, like, surprise, we're taking away all the debt that you have on your credit card. Now, I have good news and bad news for this story. The bad news, I'll start with that first. The bad news is that Perhaps nobody in this room is going to enjoy the benefits of having your debt being reset because, because Chase Bank is only resetting the debt for people in Canada, eh? <laughs> eh, eh? <laughs> so uh, apparently Chase Bank has been wanting to get out of the credit card industry, the, the marketplace in Canada for over a decade, and they've been trying for years to get people to close their accounts, and finally they're like, you know what, forget it, we don't want to wait anymore, we're just going to close your accounts for you, and you're just going to, we're, we're going to wipe away all of your debt, which is really cool for Canadians, if you happen to be a Canadian watching along, hey, good for you, um, but for the rest of us, we don't get our debt reset, but it does make me want to send a letter out to Chase Bank and be like, hey, can you consider getting out of the United States? market too, so you can just delete all of our debt. Uh, so that's the bad news. Perhaps that news this week of that reset doesn't affect you or impact you in any positive way, but there is good news, and the good news is that I have something better than that to talk about this morning. Now, you might be thinking, well, no, there's nothing better. If you could delete my debt for my credit card, that would be best, but I think that there's something better, but let me explain what I mean. If you happen to have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke 15. Now, uh, before we dive into it, let me tell you this. I would encourage you every single Sunday, bring your Bibles. Bring your Bible. Bring your version app. When we're handing out programs, take a program, write notes in it. Even if you throw the program away when you're leaving, statistic and research shows, it says uh, that if you actually engage with what we're talking about, even if you never look at it again, if you engage with it, write notes, if you highlight things, more of it's going to stick in your mind, and more of it that sticks in your mind will stick into your heart. So I would encourage you, bring your Bible so you can engage with it every single Sunday. That being said, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to jump in, starting in verse 11. Luke 15, 11. Now, there was a man who had two sons. How many sons? Thank you for following along. Half, half of you. <laughs> the other half of you are still licking your fingers of the glaze. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided the property between them. Now, I'm going to dive much more deeper into this particular part of the story in a couple weeks from now as we continue unpacking this series of reset. But for right now, we're going to continue on. Dad divides his property. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, the Bible doesn't say what wild living is, but use your imagination. He's, you know, throwing his money away, spending it on a bunch of 
donuts or something like that. I don't really know what wild living looks like. But he's being rebellious. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not living the life that he should be living because he's throwing it away with wild living. That being said, we continue on verse uh, 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began, the son began to be in need. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. Now, I don't know if you've been to the county fair in the last few days, but I just went yesterday. There's a lot of pigs there, and what they're eating, not so super advert or appetizing. So this guy, he's like, I'm so hungry, I just long to eat what the pigs are eating. That's pretty gross, but nobody's giving him anything. He's not even getting pig slop. Verse 17, when he came to his senses... When the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Now, the phrase that that really stands out to me is this top phrase right here. When he came to his what? When he came to his senses. Remember that phrase because we're going to come back to it in just a few moments. When he comes to his senses, he says, my dad's got employees They're eating better than I am. So here's what he says, verse 18. He says, I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, these are the thoughts in this kid's mind. Maybe if I go back home, I could just get hired by my dad. Maybe I'll tell him I'm not worthy to be your son, but just hire me as a staff member, dad. Now, he's thinking these things. He's thinking, what, what would happen if I did that? But there's a difference between just thinking about doing what's, what's right and doing what's right. But he doesn't just think about it. He doesn't just ponder it. He actually takes the steps. He takes actions and does what he knows he's supposed to do. Verse 20, he got up and took action. He went to his father. Now that, my friends, takes guts. To take ownership for what you've done wrong, to, to have the humility to say, I've messed up. And I'm willing to come back, and I know you don't have to take me back as your son, but I'll just get hired as a, as a staff member, maybe as an employee. Especially, he's going home, but it's especially risky because he doesn't know what his dad's going to say. Is his dad going to high-five him, or is he going to punch him in the face? Is his dad going to hug him, or is he going to wring his neck and, and kill him and, and have him be dead to him? Like He doesn't have any idea what his father's going to do, but that doesn't stop him from what he, he feels is the right thing to do, to take action and go back home. He knows I'm only responsible for me. I'm not responsible for dad. I'm not responsible for how he responds, how he reacts. I'm only responsible for me. You and I are only responsible for ourselves. We're not responsible for what other people think, what other people say, how they react. We're only responsible for ourselves. So this son, he's been living in wild living. He's been squandering away all this wealth. He's been rude, disrespectful to his dad. He's going to go back home and he's going to ask his dad, dad, will you, will you just hire me? And on the journey back home, I'm presuming he's probably rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say. Because sometimes people that don't like conflict, they don't like to have conversations that could be difficult conversations. So you, what do you do? You rehearse in your mind. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Here's how I'm going to say it. Here's the tone that I'm going to use. Here's what the words I'm going to say. Here's what I'm not going to say. So I'm sure on the path going back to dad's house, he's rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say and what he's not. He's preparing. Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. So I know I can't be your son, but maybe, maybe I can be an employee of yours. He's probably rehearsing what he's going to say and how he's going to say it. And on the path back to dad's house, dad sees his son from a long ways off. Here's where we pick up the story. Verse 20. While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. 
filled with compassion for his son. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around his son, and he kissed him. Now I'm guessing that's not what the prodigal son thought was going to happen. I'm guessing that wasn't part of the rehearsal in his mind as far as what he was going to say and what he's going to do. Yet despite that, he still goes into his rehearsed speech. Here's what he says, verse 21. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now we knew he was going to say that, but we also know he was going to say another part of this. Will you hire me as one of your staff members? But he can't even get to that part of the rehearsed speech. Why? Because his dad is so excited that his son came home. His dad is thrilled. You're back. He calls over to his servant. He says, quick, bring me the best robe and put it on my son. Put a ring on his his finger and sandals on his feet. He's so excited. Verse 23, bring bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Here's the question that I have for you this morning. Do you think think that that what the, the father did for his son was deserved? No. Do you think the son expected that response from the father? No. Here's another question. Do you feel like the celebration was in store? Do you feel like it was justified? And I would say, I would say yes. Now, if it wasn't deserved and it wasn't expected, why would there be a celebration? I think there's, I think there's a celebration that should, I think there's something that should be celebrated. Now, now here's why. Jesus is making a point. You know, this whole story of the prodigal son, it's a parable. And what that means is that it's a story with, with, a, with an earthly meaning, but a really godly impact. And so what we don't know with this parable, did Jesus just make up this whole story, or did it really take place? We don't know. He's a teacher. He's teaching people. We don't know if this is a real story, or if Jesus just invented this story to, to make a point. But that begs the question, what's the point? What's the point Jesus is trying to make? I think the point he's trying to make is the verse that we just read, verse 24. So, so let's go back and look at that verse one more time. Here's the point of the story. Jesus said, he said, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Now again, why is this worth celebrating? It's worth celebrating on two different accounts. One, from the father's viewpoint, from his perspective. He had lost a son. He had lost a family member. He had taken off, but now he's back. And that's worth killing the fattened calf for. That's worth celebrating. That's worth having a party for. What was once lost is now found. What was once dead is now alive. And so the father is excited. He's grateful. He's thankful. So that is worth celebrating. But there's a whole other side of the story too from the son's perspective. It's also worth celebrating on the son's perspective because the son just got a fresh start. He, he just got a clean slate. His dad just hit the reset button for him. It's not deserved, it's not earned, but now he gets to start over without that whole reputation, with all, with all the consequences of what he had done. He, he gets a fresh start. So it's worth celebrating on both ends, from the dad's perspective and from the son's perspective. It's worth celebrating with this reset, which begs the question, well, how, how did he get this reset? How did he get this reset in his life? How did, he, how did he get to this point? And again, there's kind of two reasons why he gets this reset, why there's a celebration taking place. The first one is more obvious because the, the father had so much love and compassion. The father was so loving, so compassionate. He, he didn't crack the whip. He didn't come down. He didn't judge his son. He just said, hey, I am thankful that you are home. So the reset would not have been possible had it not been for the father's love, the father's compassion. So the reset's not possible without that. But but the reset also was not possible for this prodigal son had it not been for that phrase that we read a few minutes ago, that he came to his, what? Senses. Had the prodigal son not come to his senses, he never would have gone back home. 
Had the prodigal not come to his senses, he never would have had the conversation with his dad. Had he not come to his senses, he never would have had the reset. So the reset in his life is possible because, yes, the love and the compassion of his dad, but it's also possible because this individual who knew he was going the wrong way chose to come to his senses. Friends, in a group this size, I can only imagine there's quite a few people who, quite frankly, I'll just be candid with you, you need to come to your senses. You know, deep down, you know you've been going the wrong direction in your life for quite some time. You've tried to justify it, try to make excuses. You still are going the wrong direction because why? You, you haven't come to your senses yet. You've been going the wrong direction over here, and it's not leaving to contentment and joy. You thought it would. You, you're going the wrong direction over here, and you, you thought this is the path you should take. But you know, deep down, I don't have to convince you. You know for yourself, you've been going the wrong direction. In your job, in your marriage, with your family, with your kids, whatever it may be, with God, there's all sorts of different ways that we can get off the right path. And for many of us here this morning, for, perhaps for some of the people that are watching online right now, you know, deep down, you've been going the wrong way at least in this scenario in life, or in this part of your life, or maybe in multiple different places in your life, and you, you need something to change. Because business as usual hasn't been working in your life, and you know this is not the direction that you know you need to be going in your life. You need a change, you need a shift, you need a reset. You need to come to your senses. So here's the question that I have for you this morning, and I want you to internalize this question. The question I have for you is, am I ready to come to my senses? I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I ready to come to my senses because you've been going the wrong direction for quite some time in your life? A couple weeks ago, I read an article in People Magazine. People Magazine came out with a story of this couple, Brent and Ashley Walker. Perhaps you've seen this because it's gone viral. But they come out with this, this story. And Brent and Ashley Walker had been addicted to, uh, to meth for quite some time. In fact, they met in the drug world. They started using drugs together. And they became addicted. And they would use together. They would be high together all the time. A couple years ago, Brent, enough was enough. He was sick of going the wrong direction in his life. And so he went to Ashley and he said, hey, I want to get clean. And I'd like to get clean with you. I want to do this together. And so they decided to get clean. Three years ago, they got clean. And just a few weeks ago, Ashley took a picture of when they used to get high together. This picture of when they were you know, high and, and, and using drugs. They took that picture from several years ago and, and a new picture of what, it's, what it looks like in their life and their family to be clean. And they merged those two pictures together. And Brent shared it on social media. And when he shared it on social media, it went viral. Hundreds of thousands of people just in the last few weeks have seen this picture. It's been all over the news. They're being interviewed all over the place. And so when I read the article in People Magazine, I was like, that's a perfect example of what we're talking about in this whole series of reset. That somebody gets sick and tired of going the wrong direction and they decide, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to push reset. I want a clean start. So I I dug in and did a little bit of recon and I contacted People Magazine who contacted them and I got in touch with Brent and Ashley Walker. And through social media, I, I asked them, I said, hey, would you be willing to to be interviewed via video. They live in Tennessee, and obviously we're here in New Mexico. So would you be willing to be interviewed? Would you, would you willing to have a Skype conversation to kind of share a little bit more of your story, the behind-the-scenes story that people don't know about when they see that picture? Would you be willing to do that? And they said, we would love to. So just recently, I, I sat down via video with Brent and Ashley Walker and asked them questions about their story in hopes that it would provide inspiration and motivation for more people to also come to their senses and turn from the destructive lifestyle that they're facing. So I'd like to share a portion of that interview with you this morning. This is a video interview between myself and Brent and Ashley Walker. Check it out. 
This morning, we have started a brand new series called Reset, and it's all about the idea of pushing the reset button in life, and you guys have a story that relates to that. So give me a little bit of a background as far as your story and how you have hit the reset button in your life. We've actually both dealt with addiction since about nine. We both picked up cigarettes by 12. We were drinking and smoking weed. We started doing meth a couple years before me. Mine was because I lost a little brother to a car wreck whenever he was drinking and driving. Been in and out of jail. Just been the rock bottom of everything, and did a lot of time in jail, out and that's whenever I went home and told her, I said, I'm done. I said, I'm out of it. I said, you can either quit and come with me. I said, or you can pack your stuff and leave. And I can't do it with you getting high. And she said, I'll go wherever you go. So let me back that up a little bit. Tell the story of how you guys came to get to know each other. I used to sell her ex-husband weed and that's how we initially met in 2010 and then uh, about two years after we met we were both single and we were doing math at the time i wanted to have her but i wanted to run around and sleep with who i wanted to sleep with and do what i wanted to do and stay gone months at a time if she wouldn't hear from me and then just come home when i wanted you mentioned a, a moment ago brent you had this kind of come to jesus moment so to speak you came home and said i don't want to do this anymore ashley let me divert the question to you for a second this is how you met him you met him in the drug world and that's how you came to know each other. So how did that impact you when Brent comes home one day and says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be done. How did that impact you? And that's what brought you together in the first place. I was kind of wary of it because that's all I've ever known with him was the drugs. I didn't know how much he was actually serious about it. But whenever I seen that he was actually really serious, it was overwhelming. And I was so happy because when we first got together this last time before we got married, I always told him, I want you, not the drugs. I want to have a life with you. And I see something different in you. You actually have a kind heart compared to a lot of the other people out there. So when he came home, that was exciting for you that he said, I want to be done with this? Yeah. Brent, when you came home to say that, were you nervous or anxious at all of saying, hey, all you know is the old me, but I want a new version of me. Were you nervous about how she would respond to that? Yeah, kind of, but I knew what I wanted and I wanted to sober up. I wanted to do it with her, but if she chose not to, then that was her decision. I put her through a lot and she stuck by me the whole way. She grew up in church and we just got clean and she was wanting to get in church. Well, we didn't have a car. We were living at the trash bag and try to walk to work and stay sober. I had a minister that would come every week for the whole two years I was locked up and never quit and tried to minister to me over and over and I didn't want nothing to do with it and just wanted to leave me alone. I just wanted to do my time and I want to go home and he stuck in there every Sunday he was there and trying to minister to me even though I didn't want nothing to do with it and just wouldn't give up. I was like, we're trying to change our life now. He said, I'll come meet you every Sunday and he came and got us every Sunday took us out to eat and fed us afterwards and then took us back to wherever we were stuck. So he was uh, truly a blessing. He was at our wedding. We got married at the church, and we still go to that church. What caused your story to get out there to the world, really, is that you posted a before and after picture before when you both were addicted to meth and an after once you've cleaned up your lives. Talk a little bit about that picture and how it went viral, and did you ever expect that? Was it what you thought would happen? Tell us a little bit about that photo. We'll put it on the screen right now so people can see it. The whole time we've been sober, I never wanted to share my story. I wanted to keep it myself. Something hit me that night and said, you need to share your story. And she made that little collage of the pictures and showed it to me. And I was like, send that picture to me. And she sent it to me and I saved it and I put it on Facebook. We went to bed and woke up and our phones were blowing up and we are like, what happened? So this has all just exploded in the last few weeks, right? Yeah, July 26th is whenever I posted that. Wow. 
And so, yeah. to the best of your knowledge, how many people have seen this, or how many times has it been shared so far? It's been, uh, it's been shared 150,000 times, and it's been liked or had reactions to it over 200,000 times. Plus, you've done interviews with a bunch of news stations throughout the world, right? Yeah, news teams. We've had three TV producers contact us wanting to do some kind of documentary. One's wanting to fly us to Jersey. One's wanting to come here and do a documentary on us, kind of like a TV series on it. We've done interviews with two local news teams, one from North was coming down next week. We did Fox Live this morning. We've done a hundred phone interviews and Skype interviews like this. We've been booked for the last few weeks. Thank you for your willingness to add us to your rotation. You guys are pulled in all sorts of yeah. different directions. That's the beauty of your story is that God's going to impact so many different people through your story and through the inspiration. The world needs it right now. The world's gotten so bad it needs that. And I think that's why God made it go viral like that. If the world's gotten so bad with drugs with overdoses and everything that needs to get out there that you don't have to live that life. Hope. So you guys are out of Tennessee, correct? Yes, Cleveland, Tennessee. So where we are is a little town called Farmington, New Mexico. So in Farmington and the surrounding areas of San Juan County, meth addiction has exploded in the last several years. There used to be a reliance upon alcohol. Really, the drug of choice in the last few years has turned to meth. Now, meth isn't the only drug people use. It's not the only addiction that people have. Some people are addicted to gambling or pornography or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of different addictions. But given the journey that you two have been on, what would you say is the message that you have to people that are watching in our congregation or on our live stream, what message do you have to send to them as far as hope and inspiration for getting through an addiction? Something in their life that they know they need a reset from in their own lives. What would you tell them? I know whenever I was in my addiction, I felt like I was trapped in it. Like once you're an addict, you're just an addict. And it's not true. I wish I'd had somebody there to tell me. Thankfully, God showed me that. You can't straddle the fence with your faith. I tried that. It's like kind of getting married to somebody and then only wanting a part of her. You know, she can give the other part to somebody else. So nobody want to do that. God don't want part of you. He wants all of you. You can't straddle the fence. You have got to surrender yourself completely and give it to him and, and he will lead you the way he led us the whole way. I mean, it's been blessing after blessing. It's just been amazing. What I love what you just said, Brent, is that God wants all of you. Both of you are a living testament to that. I think that's inspirational, so thank you for that. Is there anything else that you would want to share with our congregation that's watching right now? Follow Christ. I never knew him for a long time. If you don't know him, just get in the Word, pray about it, and he'll talk to you. you got Jesus Christ. That's a great message. Brent, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. We're inspired by your story, and we hope that your words continue to impact people throughout the United States and throughout the entire world. Thank you for your willingness to share what could be something that you don't want anybody to know about. You're willing to tell the world your story, and because of that, you're inspiring and motivating millions of people. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Brent and Ashley, I know that you're watching the live stream from Tennessee right now, and we just wanted to, on behalf of this congregation, thank you for your willingness to share your story because it's, it's inspiring and it's motivating. So thank you for your willingness. What you don't see, congregation, is that that, was a, that interview was a portion of a longer conversation that I had uh, during our time together with, with Brent and Ashley. In fact, there's much more to the story that we just didn't have time to share this morning because of the, the length of our service time. But we, we have uploaded the full-length video to our website at phcc.church under the resources page. You can go and check that out if you want to see the full thing. It's about 20 minutes long or so. Uh, in fact, part of that story, part of the interview that we had to cut out this morning was there was a moment that Brent and Ashley nearly took the post down. 
They almost deleted it, and it wouldn't have gone nearly as viral as it did. Uh, and they talk about why they almost did that and ultimately why they decided not to do that. So if you want more information as far as, or if you want to see the rest of the interview, go to phcc.church and go into the resources page, and, and you can see the full-length video. Uh, but after that interview that I had with Brent and Ashley, I really started asking the question, why, why did that post go viral? Why have hundreds of thousands of people shared it or interacted with it or seen it? Why, why is it going worldwide? just in the last three weeks, since July 26th. And, and here's the conclusion that I've come to. I think it's because people are attracted to hope. I think that's why. People want that for themselves. Because I think a lot of people that, that saw that before and after picture see themselves in the before side, but they're not yet in the after side. They want the after picture, but the right now they're in the midst of the storm. They're in the midst of going the wrong direction. And, and I think people are drawn towards, I don't want to go the wrong direction anymore. I'm sick and tired of going the wrong way, doing the wrong things. I don't want that. I'm in the before, but I want the after. I think that's why so many people are drawn to it and have engaged with this particular story. That's why I believe many people here right now, that story resonates, even though you're not addicted to meth. Perhaps you are. Perhaps your addiction is, is meth, and you're like, man, I, I too need to get my life on track. I need to be done with this. Maybe, maybe you don't need a reset from meth. Maybe you need a reset from al alcohol. Maybe you're an alcoholic. You know deep down you drink too much. You haven't come out and said that. You haven't verbalized it, but you know there's, it's a crutch in your life. You, you can't go on with your life without alcohol. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's marijuana. Maybe it's heroin. Maybe it's oxycodone or cotton. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's what you need to reset is, is from some sort of addiction. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's not an addiction at all. Maybe the, the reset that you need relates to your marriage. You and your spouse have been going in different directions, and you've been doing different things, and you know, you know you're not in the right place. You know you're not investing the time and the difficult hard work to make your marriage thrive and flourish. Maybe you need a reset in your marriage. This coming Saturday, Living Room Reset with Kirk Cameron. Maybe that's what you need to be a part of to help have a reset for your marriage. There's still tickets available. You can get those over in the bookstore as you're leaving today. Maybe, maybe it's not your marriage that you need a reset. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe you've just grown estranged from your kids and you just haven't taken ownership for the stuff that you've done wrong. Maybe you've neglected them or abused them or whatever it may be and, and you don't have a relationship and, and you need a reset in those relationships. Maybe it's a reset for how you look at your job and your work ethic. Maybe it's other relationships in your life. Maybe the reset that you need is between you and God. Because if you're honest, you come to church every so often, but when's the last time you actually prayed? When's the last time you opened up the Bible and spent some time in the Word? You're, you're so, you feel so disconnected from God, and you feel, if you're honest with yourself deep down, you know you don't even have a relationship with God. Maybe you used to a long time ago, and maybe that's the reset that you need, or maybe... Maybe the reset you need is for the first time having a relationship with God. Bottom line, friends, is that there's many people in this room right now, if you're honest with yourself, if you were to come to your senses, you know you too need a reset for something in your life. So if, if you're there, if you're ready to come to your senses, the next step in that isn't just to stay there and acknowledge, I need help. The next step is to turn towards Jesus. If you come to your senses, you've got to turn towards Jesus. Don't just turn towards another crutch, another drug, another addiction. Don't just turn to something else that makes you feel good as you're getting away from the other thing. Turn towards Jesus. 
Come to your senses and turn towards Jesus. And, and here's the beauty of what happens. When you do that, when you turn towards Christ, something significant begins to happen in, in your life. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says this to people who are turning towards Jesus. He says, if anybody's in Christ, if anybody's turning towards Christ, if turning towards Jesus, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. That's what begins to happen. When you've come to your senses and you turn towards Jesus, the old is gone, the new is here. You're a new creation. There's a newness to that. That's, a, that's hitting the reset button, start, starting over saying, I've got a clean slate. I, I have a fresh start. I can start over. It's not deserved. It's not earned. But you have a heavenly father who loves you so much that despite how far off you've gotten, he says, as soon as you start turning towards God, I'm going to welcome you back with open arms. I'm going to hold you with compassion and with love. So yes, the grace is partly in due because God is so good and he's so loving and so compassionate. He welcomes you home, home no matter how far you've gone off. But there's also the intentionality. You have to come to your senses and turn towards Jesus, which is why up in the front of the stage, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have a bunch of wristbands up here. And let me tell you what this wristband says. It says on the dark side, it says old is gone. But then on the light side, it says the new is here. Because we want to invite people to come forward who are saying, yeah, you know what? Today, today's my day. I'm finally coming to my senses. I'm finally willing to say what's been deep down in my heart. I'm willing to be real. I'm willing to be authentic. I don't care what other people think. I don't care what they say. I'm coming to my senses and I'm going to turn towards Jesus. And if that's you, in just a moment, Clarence is going to come out and lead us in a song. And if that's you, I want to invite you forward to come and get a wristband. Don't hoard all the wristbands and take them home and throw them out to all your neighbors and whatever. Take one for you. Because this is a conversation between you and God. If you are willing to, to turn towards Jesus, then what that means is that you have a new creation. You can become a new creation through Christ. And the old is gone and the new is here. So if that's you, in just a second, you're going to have an opportunity to do something bold and strong and courageous. And you can sit there in your seat and you can be like, nah, let somebody else do it. Or you can say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of going the wrong way. I know I've been going the wrong way here or here or here or in many different areas. But if you're ready to come to your senses and hit the button of reset and say, I want the fresh start that God the Father offers to me, then in just a moment, you have an opportunity to make a bold statement. Just like Brent and Ashley saying, I'm willing to let our picture go viral around the world. This is an opportunity for you to say, the old is gone and the new is here. So if you are ready for a reset as we sing this song, come forward, grab a wristband, and let's proclaim that we have a, a Savior, a Heavenly Father who loves us so much, he's willing to give us a reset. Beautiful things you make beautiful 
beautiful things you make beautiful things out of us all around hope is springing up from this old Life is being found in you. Oh, you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of dust. Oh, you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of in the business of taking broken things and making them beautiful. Taking broken situations and making them beautiful. Taking broken people and making them beautiful. For those of you who came forward and got a wristband, good for you. I'm literally standing backstage watching some of you come forward, and I know many of your stories. 
for you to come forward and say the, the old is gone, the new is here. What a testament that is. If you came forward and, and got a wristband, here's the challenge that I have for you. The mission, should you be willing to accept it. I want you to wear this wristband for at least the next three weeks. Take it off if you want to take it off for a shower or bathing or whatever. But, but wear it to school, to work, to the store, wherever you go. Wear this with you. And there's two reasons I give you this challenge. Number one is because of the same thing that, that Brent and Ashley did. I mean, they, they, they put, put a picture out on social media and, and they were concerned. Well, what is this going to do? How are people going to look at me? And, and, and we'll, talk, we'll talk more about that in the, the longer interview and you can go in and look at that. But when you're wearing a wristband like this, people are going to ask you questions. They're going to be like, hey, what's that mean? What's that all about? And you can shy away from it, or you can be like, you know what? I came to my senses. I was going the wrong direction, and I turned, turned towards Jesus, perhaps again or perhaps for the first time. So that's one of the reasons I want to encourage you to wear this at least for the next three weeks. But the second reason is this. I want this wristband to be a reminder to you that you are done with the old. The old is gone. There's a, n- a new creation here. Allow this wristband to be a reminder to you that you have a heavenly father who loves you so much that even though you deviate, even though you go the wrong direction, he welcomes you back with compassion and love with arms wide open. That's the God that we have. But allow this to be a reminder that you're, you're dead to the old ways. There's something new that's here. So when you've come to your senses and you've turned towards Jesus, don't you dare turn back to the old ways again. This wristband, allow it to be a reminder that the new is here, the old is gone. Don't go back to the old. Don't go back to your old ways. Don't, as a dog returns to his vomit, don't keep going back to the old things. The old is gone. The new is here. So wear this wristband boldly, proudly. Tell people about it. Talk about it and allow it to be a reminder to you that what was once dead is now alive. What was once lost is now found. And those things, my friends, that is worth celebrating. We have a God who loves you, loves me so much that he's willing to give you a clean slate, a fresh start, a reset because of how good he is and because you are willing to come to your senses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that's here this morning. God, I know so many times we go the wrong direction in life. And we justify it, we make excuses, we think we're better off for it, and then we come to our senses and realize you were right all along. We could have, we should have gone back to your word and used it as a map and a blueprint for our life, and we chose not to for whatever reason. But God, when we come to our senses and we turn back towards you, God, thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you for the fact that there's no height nor depth. There's nothing in all of creation that will separate us from your unconditional love. No decisions, no mistakes that we've made in the past that will separate us. God, thank you for your willingness to love us and to give us grace, to give us a fresh start, a clean slate, and a reset in life. Thank you for that. I thank you for Brent and Ashley and their willingness to share their story. I pray that more people hear their story and hear especially about how you're a part of their story and that they too can have a relationship with you, and that means that they can have grace and forgiveness, not because it's earned or deserved, but because of how good you are, God. I pray that that same story would percolate throughout our community in our individual lives as well. As we are, are done with the old things and the old direction, that we would be bold. We would talk about that. We would not be vulnerable or, or be too afraid to be vulnerable, but that we would talk with other people about how we were going the wrong direction, but we cho- chose to turn towards you. I pray that all the stories that are represented in this community, this congregation, would begin to surface and come out. 
that we wouldn't be fearful of, of people knowing the real us, that we would be authentic, that we would be raw, that we would be real. And because of our story of grace and redemption and forgiveness, more people would be drawn to that because they're attracted to hope. So God, thank you for hope. Thank you for love. Thank you for loving us even in the midst of the storm and the messiness when we're going the wrong direction. Thank you for the fact that you always welcome us back with open arms. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.